Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie. And Marcus, what's going on, Frank? Nothing much, dude. Um, we are recording this as of the middle of July here, just to give our viewers some background. Sometimes we just kind of punt these out um, for in advance when we have some time, uh, especially when we're in the same time zone as we uh, as we learned last episode as of same, uh, this recording. Now we're in the same zip code, so that definitely helps. Yeah, same zip code also very much helps. So uh, let's get right to it. Topic for today is something that you, the viewers, seem to really, really enjoy, uh, according to the numbers, and that is some player profiles. But I guess it's not profiles, because it's singular today. It is a player profile on 2022 Wimbledon finalist, Nick Kyrgios, who is definitely a very interesting character in the tennis world, very controversial, probably the most like love-hated player on the tour i would say right up there with like novak for example who's also very love hated um but nick curios definitely has way more haters truthfully um so let's just get right to it marcus why don't you give us a little bit of background on nick uh you know talk about like you know where he grew up you know all of that stuff because he, he has a he has a really interesting junior career that you could probably get into first question i have frank is it Kyrgios or Kyrgios? Kyrgios. Thank I you. mean, the Greek pronunciation of it would be Kyrgios. Oh, here we right? go. So you would just say like <laughs> Kyrgios is fine. Do not say the G. Do not say Kyrgios or whatever. Okay. All right. So Nick Kyrgios. Um... <laughs> Kill me. Yeah, listen, this is what you signed up for. Uh, this is coming from the guy, by the way, who said that the best part of his vacation was Greece, for what it's worth. So v- very true. And my new favorite Greek work is Malaka. So you definitely cannot say that. <laughs> can't, say can't, that. Tr- we can't translate it, but we can say it. So, oh, well. Um, anyways, back to Nick Kyrgios. Uh, he is, how old is he now? Oh, wow. He's 27 years old. Born in 1995. Um, grew up in Australia. His mother, his father, George, uh, is of Greek origin since everybody in Greece is named George. And he has a Malaysian mother named Neil. Uh, his father is a self-employed house painter and his mother is a computer engineer. Uh, mother, born in Malaysia, was part of the Sangalore royal family, um, but dropped her title as a princess there when she moved to Australia in her 20s, which is totally fascinating how those two came together and then made Nick. Um, here's a funny quote, uh, Frank. Kyrgios disclosed that his mother monitors his email inbox and that she one time found a message from the Queensland police and asked him if he had been in trouble. He said he fessed up because there was no point denying it as he had received a traffic fine. So uh, Nick seems like an honest guy. You know what? And that's something we're going to get into a lot on this episode, that he is a very honest guy. Um, He played a lot of basketball in his early teens. He basically had to choose between basketball and tennis when he was about 14 years old. Uh, he made the choice for tennis. I think he might have been pushed into that a little bit because he was a little bit better at it and there was more of a future for him there. Basketball, not so much, especially in Australia. But he clearly struggles with that decision today, I would say, Frank, because he's clearly an avid, avid basketball fan. Does that as most of his cross-training nowadays uh, for tennis, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, and I uh, grew up in Canberra uh, and moved back and forth a little bit between Melbourne, but uh, was one of the top-ranked juniors in the world. I believe he won, might have won a junior Grand Slam or two. Um, 
and turned pro in about 2012 and has since then kind of turned into tennis's modern day John McEnroe bad boy. Just absolute bad temper tantrums, uh, just kind of tanking, um, just crazy outbursts, arguing with refs, other players, talking shit, you know, going on social media, posting absurd things, you know, telling Stan Wawrinka that another, you know, guy was you know what, his girlfriend, you know, you just got all these just crazy, crazy stories, Frank. So Nick's been a bit of a head case. And I think the number one story around Nick and his whole career is he's so talented. And if you've never seen this guy play, I highly, highly, highly recommend going on YouTube, just putting in Nick Kyrgios highlights, because this guy is one of the most talented tennis players I've ever seen. And I've ever seen live. But the question was always, does he have it in him to get it together to potentially, you know, one, be successful in the tour, which one could argue he's been successful, right? He's been 13 in the world. He just made a Wimbledon Grand Slam final. But everybody knows that his talent far exceeds what he's achieved. So he's absolutely an underachiever. And Frank, I mean, talk to us a little about his talent and a little bit about his his mentality towards the game of tennis, because it's wavered a lot over the years. And it just seems like he's starting to get it back on track, but he's still a little bit, you know, shaky. So talk to us a little about the progression of Nick kind of from his junior career up until now. Yeah. So really quick point about what you had just said. He did win one junior Grand Slam off the Junior Australian Open. And who did he face in that final, Marcus? There's a good trivia question for you. Let's see if you can get it. Can you give me the year and can I guess the player? Yes, it was 20, da, 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 2013. I'm going to say Gianluigi Kinsey. Nope. Thanasi Kokonakis. No, yeah. really? Yeah, the guy we just talked about. Wow. Uh, before he, we started recording, but yeah. Who um, we won the uh, Australian Open doubles with this year. Yeah, wow. correct, correct. Wow, didn't so, know that. Good yeah, shout out, they've, Frank. They've been, uh, they've been best friends almost their whole life. Um. Uh, which is which is really cool. So, yes, uh, Nick has had a very interesting tennis career. I would say he had a really big. Obviously, his big breakout was 2014. We've spoken about this even on our Wimbledon wrap up episode, right? With or actually, it was the Wimbledon check in episode that we spoke about this. Mm-hmm. Where check in, we were Nick, ta- talking about the Nadal matchup. Correct, where he beat Nadal at Wimbledon, got to a Wimbledon quarterfinal in 2014. So he was. 19 years old at the time um which made him you know one of the youngest quarterfinalists ever in Wimbledon's history which was obviously a pretty big deal so you know the other thing that I think is really incredible about Nick that he shares very very rare company with is his first time playing Rafa Roger and Novak the big three he beat all of them that I think is a really astonishing statistic that sort of shows how raw like talent this guy is like all the tools in the toolbox are there for him and just to sort of speak about his game style a little bit Nick has always had a fantastic serve and when I say that he has a fantastic serve I'm not necessarily talking about like John Isner or Riley Opelka where they're just you know serve bot million miles an hour right what makes Curio so good right is that his serve is impossible to read. 
he has the same ball toss for his kick serve, his slice serve, and his flat serve. So it makes it virtually impossible for the receiver to guess where the ball is going or have any sort of insight. It's pure reaction, um, which when a guy can serve upwards of 130 miles an hour, which Nick can do, he does have a big serve also, it's a really difficult ask. And that's something that you know multiple guys across the tour have said like, Nick has top three serve on the tour right there with Isner and Opelka. So John McEnroe says he's got top five all time. Yeah. Which is which no, is a pretty are... outstanding compliment. Yeah. No, multiple a lot of people say that. A lot of people say that he has one of the best serves ever. Like that is that that is so valuable that he can hit any serve from any ball placement. So uh, that's something to watch. You know, if, if you're just like casually watching Kyrgios or you're looking back at the Wimbledon matches, take a look at his serve and you'll notice the ball toss is exactly the same every single time. And that's why these guys struggle with it so much. Next, you know, his forehand, he's got a really, I think he's got a pretty good forehand, really nice amount of top spin on it, can really whip it. Um, surprisingly has not had any real like serious wrist injuries, despite how much of a Western grip he uses and how much he's coming over the ball has never really had that problem. So, you know, he, you know, can, he can really dominate with that forehand. I haven't seen him hit it flat, like too much, but he can definitely just sort of like flick his wrist sometimes and just battery the ball, which he, he does very well, like hit like one of those guy Elm on fee, like 115 mile an hour forehands. I've seen him do that all the time. Yeah. Oh God. You just type again, folks, just go on, on, on YouTube, just type in Nick Kyrgios forehand fast. Like you're going to see some sick shots. Um, and, and Frank, you know what about his next stroke that I think we're going to get into right now, his backhand significantly improved over the years. In my opinion, I believe that early in his career, that was a clear weakness in his game, but has somehow actually managed to make it pretty good considering he doesn't even hit much topspin on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously something that I, I personally would disagree with you a little bit here. Um, yes, I agree. That's improved that I agree with, but I think his backhand is still a little bit of a liability. Just like looking back at some of his matches, even like years and years ago, not just like the Wimbledon run that he just had, you know, opponents have definitely tried to press his backhand as much as possible and just wait for it to eventually give out and start to float a little bit. And so I would really like to see him get just even a little bit of top spin on it. Um, but the thing that Nick's backhand is really, really good at, obviously, because it's so flat, is that down the line shot, which he does get very often. And because he's so tall, he's able to really just come over the ball and flatten it out down the line and he gets a ton of backhand down the line winners probably more than someone you would think um that has like a middle of the road ish maybe slightly above backhand uh does that is the one advantage that it really really does have um but getting back to his story also Obviously has that major breakout in 2014, gets to the Wimbledon quarterfinals. 2015 gets to a second major quarterfinal at the Australian Open and uh, where he eventually lost to Andy Murray, which that's never going to be a bad. Mid-2010s, Andy Murray is not a bad loss by any means. He was no. pretty much... He no, was pretty. That, it was a big four back then. It wasn't just a big three. So yeah, and that's a bad matchup for Nick too. I actually think he matches up better matchup. against the top three, like Joker, Nadal, Federer. He matches up better than he does against Murray because Murray's just so he doesn't give you anything crazy. He's just steady all day long, steady, 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 and hitting ball so deep, and that's just not a good matchup for Nick. 
Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so 26. So again, Nick is slowly making that rise up the ranks. Like, you know, two major quarterfinals looking good. 2016 comes around and, you know, he again continues that rise. Uh, he does pretty well. Uh, he gets into the top 15 and attains his top uh, highest career ranking of 13 in the world. He wins three titles that year, uh, which is, I think, again, really, really fantastic, including uh, the titles that year were the Open 13, the Marseille tournament. Um, he won over Gasquet. Uh, just looking through here, I can't find the other two tournaments that he won. But um, obviously, Nick had a really solid, solid year that year. Gets the 13 in the world. Really nice. Oh, I just found them. He won Shangdu, which is an 18 ATP 500 level tournament. And then he also won in Atlanta in the run up to the U.S. Open. So, again, pretty good wins. Um, mm-hmm. And including in those wins, he won against Fernando Verdasco. He won against Kevin Anderson, who, again, mid 2010s, Kevin Anderson, that's a good win. Really that's solid. Really good. Um, and David Goffin who also mid-2010s, really solid win. So yeah. Goffin was at his peak then. Yeah, 2016, Goffin was, was I, I don't know if that was the year or two before he got to uh, top eight in the world. But yeah, I mean, listen, he, again, is continuing on this, on this sort of run. Uh, 2017, again, like sort of a mixed result at the Australian Open, Madrid, like the clay court season, never been his strength. So, you know, that I wouldn't even worry about. He gets to Cincinnati. He beats Rafael Nadal in straight sets. Number two in the world, Rafael Nadal in straight sets, which is crazy. Um, Beats Ferrer also and gets to the Masters 1000 final in Cincinnati where he loses to Grigor Dimitrov. Um, So, again, like doing really well there. Um, And all of a sudden, you know, in 2018, I would say is when the wheels started to come off the wagon a little bit, in my opinion. Uh, he starts off, you know, great. He, he goes into 2018 Brisbane, uh, wins Brisbane, his home tournament. So that's awesome. But then again, like, you know, at the Australian Open, nice result, gets the round of 16, loses to Dimitrov, perfectly fine. But then all of a sudden, you know, we see him start to start pulling out of tournaments um loses to Andy Murray his re- his ranking starts to fall so he has to have tougher and tougher matchups like this is kind of the spiral that begins to happen when you don't when you don't have consistent enough results um and that I think is particularly why clay court players always have a little bit of an edge cuz there's like that period of the year where like there's just so many generic clay court tournaments that you could really build up your ranking and because Nick doesn't have that it's kind of hard for him to maintain a high enough ranking truthfully but yeah, I think this is sort of where the wheels start to fall off. And, you know, Marcus can probably elaborate a little bit more on like 2019 to now, but Nick has been very in and out. Like there are periods where like, it looks like he's trying and he does really, really well. And he wins like an ATP tournament or like he wins, like, you know, he gets to the finals of Wimbledon, right? But then there are periods where it's just like, oh yeah, like I forgot Nick Kyrgios was a tennis player. You know what I mean? And I think that that is basically the definition of his career, right? And I think you could really tell that because 
uh, even though he has a you know a top uh, a highest ranking of of 13 in the world right which is not like incredibly high given given what we think of him talent wise um he has i think six or seven career titles which is very high for someone at that ranking and we're not talking about like a bunch of 250s like he's won numerous 500 level tournaments which is really really you know that's that means like there's a legit draw in there so yeah marcus you can you sort of pick it up from uh from there yeah, and before I do that, Frank, I think it would be really interesting for our listeners to know that Nick Kyrgios has not had a tennis coach since 2015. Do you realize, for our listeners who don't know that much about tennis, Frank, can you, I mean, that is just unfathomable that the man has not had a tennis coach. On the professional tour, every single player has a coach. It's like, imagine if you had you know, the LA Lakers or the Miami Heat or, you know, a football team without a coach. It's insane. Yeah, what he's doing, what he's doing is rather, is really pretty insane. Um, I mean, we can go down some of like the, the quotes from people, right? Like John Newcomb, Nick is an exceptional talent and he doesn't beat to the same drum as everyone else. He's a real individual. Tim Henman, Nick Kyrgios is a performer and an entertainer will go out and play the tennis he is capable of. He could beat anyone because he is seriously that talented. He is a bit different and speaks his mind. Paul Anacone, who if you don't know who Paul Anacone is, Google him. Roger Federer's former coach, Pete Sampras, the whole thing. I think Nick is the most talented player since Roger jumped on the scene. Very high praise from uh, like from that. And then his main sort of antagonist, has been none other than John McEnroe, who we've mentioned earlier, who although speaks very highly of Nick's game, right, um, and says like he's the most talented player that he's seen in the last 10 years, has openly criticized Kyrgios for his behavior on the court, whether it's pulling out of the U.S. Open randomly and, you know, John criticizing him and saying like, you know, he should retire because he's just not interested in being a pro- professional tennis player and he doesn't train enough. And he's also said, like, Kyrgios has to look in the mirror if he wants to become a top player and win slams. So it's uh, it's a really, really interesting dynamic that Nick has. He is so, so polarizing in the community. Yeah, and he's a type of guy who, you know, just doesn't really care about others' opinions. He's going to do it the way that he has, you know, and... Going back to the coaching thing, I mean, they asked him in 2020, like, you know, what's the deal? You haven't had a coach for five years and quote, uh, and for me, I I don't have a goal of winning grand slams. I just want to do it my way, had fun with it and just play. So to get a coach for me is just pointless because I don't want to waste their time. Also, I just don't think a coach is ready and I'm not going to put them through it, too, because it would be a nightmare where I'm at my career right now. It's just gone too far, I think, for a coach because I'm set too set in my ways and I don't just don't like to listen to advice, to be honest. So if there's one thing that we can say about Nick Kyrgios, Frank, is that throughout the years, the man has been completely honest with us, which is something that we should admire. But I think what irks a lot of people, um, and especially in the last couple of years, is just his inconsistency of playing, his inconsistency in effort, and then the way that he portrays himself off the court. And and I've read articles and I've actually had not, not the pleasure of meeting him, but being around him at the 2018 US Open, he seems like a genuinely really nice guy who everybody loves to hang around. Um, 
But it's just so polarizing because he's such a good guy off the court. But then he goes on the court and he does some pretty heinous stuff sometimes where he's just yelling at people, barking at people, cursing them out, this and that. And it's kind of like, whoa, where did that come from? Is that reflective of his personality? I think he's got kind of like a dual personality almost in terms of him on the tennis court, him off the tennis court. But he does a lot of good for the community. Um, He's got a bunch of charities, the Nick Kyrgios Foundation. Is uh, helping a lot of underage instrumental with the Australian bushfires. Also, yep, that exhibition that was held that was almost all coming from Nick Kyrgios urging Tennis Australia, we got to do something, we got to do something, and that is also the incident that spurred him becoming a vegan and beginning his vegan diet, which Marcus is going to talk about the little sort of reformation that Nick Kyrgios has had over the past, you know, let's call it year or so. Yeah, I mean, he's been, you know, since 2019, he's had a couple of suspensions, you know, then COVID hit and he was kind of like, listen, I'm not I'm not leaving the country for COVID. Um, He was pretty, pretty, uh, how would you say it? Vocal about uh, Novak Djokovic's and Zverev's actions during the whole COVID scandal there in Serbia. He's been, you know. He, he's very got strong, very strong opinions. Um, and, and in a case, and if everybody didn't know, Nick Kyrgios loves to party, loves it. So if you ever seen Nick Kyrgios in the club, uh, he will apparently take at least 17 to 20 shots a night. And he loves, quote, sending them with the boys. So uh, if you like your shots of vodka or your tequila, hit up Nick Kyrgios. He will hook you up. Um, but Frank, something that my that my father uh, noticed recently, and he actually told me about this, was uh, on his podcast. He's been talking about he's been kind of going through a little bit of a transformation. So he was also uh, not diagnosed, but he came out and said that he had some serious depression. And at, at tournaments, he was drinking twenty to thirty drinks a night. He was kind of drinking himself to sleep, and that winning these tennis tournaments were just kind of masking the depression that he had. And he's been pretty open about that, which is very courageous of him. And he has essentially kind of stopped partying really for the most part. Um, I know that he's got a long-term girlfriend now. Uh, he does a mix cross training of basketball and tennis. It's a very unique mix. So that's how we keep in shape. And that's something that we mentioned in our Wimbledon episode, uh, Frank, that we've never seen Nick in this good of physical shape. Um, he still looks a little bit overweight, I think, but better than like within the last year or two, but just in yeah. terms of his cardio and conditioning, it's been so much better than in the past. I agree that that I 100% agree. I don't know if I would characterize him as overweight, though, because I don't think any of what he has is weight, like extra like like fat or anything like that. Mm. I actually think he might be slightly over muscular, to be honest with you, which I don't know if that's his body type or not. But I think yeah. now it's fine. But if you yeah, look no, at a I'm picture of him right like now. a year, year and a half ago. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about right now. Yeah, right now, now it's fine. Yeah, right now. I think he is very, very muscular, which like tennis is a little bit weird compared to other sports where like you actually don't want to be too muscular because a lot of the sport like the sport just naturally lends itself to people who are like really pretty skinny um, and are able to use like levers to hit the ball rather than like raw strength a la like Yannick Sinner right who can crack like ground strokes harder than almost anyone on tour but has like the thinnest legs I've ever seen in my life yeah, it's right a sick somebody needs to get that man on a squat rack yeah so that's like the balancing game with tennis but uh you know Kyrgios Kyrgios looks great now cardiovascular fitness I think is fantastic especially in comparison to what it has been where like There'll be times in majors where he's just like in the fourth set and like, I'm, I'm tired. I'm out. Like, 
you know, I have a hip injury, I'm withdrawing. And like, that's, you know, sort of the criticism that like McEnroe has leveled at him and others, but he has definitely done a much better job with that. You know, earlier this year at the Australian open, he had the longest match of his, um, at, at, of his career. And, you know, so, so he is, um, he's really, really, I think starting to head in the right direction. And I think the double stuff that he's been doing with, uh, Kokonakis was absolutely box office. And that's so good for the doubles game in particular, because that is a side of tennis that does not get enough eyes as it should, because every casual tennis fan I know has loved watching doubles and finds it to be so exciting and so much fun. And those guys don't get paid nearly enough in comparison to their singles counterparts. So to potentially have like a star player shed some light on that and like fill the fill the seats a little bit, I think is really, really awesome. Frank, you're so right, because I would pay a lot of money to go watch Nick Kyrgios and Tanasi Kokonakis go play doubles, like a lot of money. Um, and, and I think another thing that should be noted is kind of his, a little bit of his, and I, and I think this kind of goes into what we were talking about in terms of his mental attitude towards tennis, Frank, is that he's all about the show, like you just mentioned. Like he is box office, right? Whether or not he wins or loses, he's usually box office. But there was a point around between 2018, 2020, 2021, where that was becoming a problem because he started to really tank some matches and then really not try. And then it was kind of like, hey, man, you know, we're listening. We're paying to watch you play. We expect you to put on a show. Um, And he was kind of like, well, you know, you don't have to come to my match type thing. It's like, well, you are a professional tennis player. You at least have some sort of obligation. But then other times he comes out and he plays lights out and wins. So it's kind of that's why he's such a polarizing figure is that people you either love him or you hate him right um i'm personally in between i can't figure out sometimes i'm like nick you can't be doing that but i'm sometimes i'm just like god damn you're really good at tennis so i'm really curious frank to hear your opinion on what do we think is kind of the future for nick considering you know he's gone through through some ups and downs the last couple of years but this year he's shown something that we've never really seen from him before which is a little bit more commitment uh, and better performance, quite frankly. So again, a Grand Slam doubles title and a Wimbledon final. What are we What are we forecasting for Nick? I would forecast for Nick that he can have a real goal of getting into the top. I'll say fifteen. Ooh. I'll say fifteen. I wanted to say twenty, but I I think that he has really, really shown the game that he can make top 15 if he is actually maintaining that consistency throughout the North American hardcourt swing. That would be my opinion. As to whether he will like be a top 10 or top 8 player, that I think is really hard to say. My tendency would be to lean no uh, as well. You know, I think the next question naturally from that is do you ever think that Nick Kyrgios can win a Grand Slam in his career? My answer is yes, that he can, because I think that on grass, especially once the big three are out of the picture, he absolutely has the, you know, the goods to win that, no doubt. But at the same time, do I think that he will? My answer is no. I've just seen this way too many times from Nick, 
And even this year when he, he has been like playing a little bit better, even at Australia makes the final uh, uh, Wimbledon makes the final. He's still chirping at the umpire the entire time. He's still basically giving up that final like tie break. Like he's still doing these little immature things that if he ever wants to win a grand slam, he just can't do because even the like, yes, the big three, obviously like mental toughness, like they'll destroy him with that. But like even guys like Carlos Alcaraz, Yannick Sinner, Matteo Berrettini, like uh, Zverev even, you know, for crying out loud, like put them in that final and Kyrio starts having their his meltdown, like they'll crush him. Right. Like especially guys like Alcaraz and Sinner, like them specifically, like Yannick is so ice cold and like unwavering and like how he plays. And Carlos is so like basically Rafa 2.0 with like the fire and spirit that like that antic, the antics that Nick does will not bother them. The only top player that that bothers is uh, is well, well, is two people. I would say it would probably bother Daniil because that's usually his job. And two, it would bother Sitsipas <laughs> because he's also a whiny baby himself. Oh, Nick, everybody, I mean, at this point, everybody, but especially Nick, lives in Tsitsipas's head rent-free. So um, I think I think for me, Frank, it, it's, I agree with your sentiment because the problem with Nick is the consistency and it's been the problem throughout his career. Yes, he shows flashes of greatness, but it's like, in order to be great, you got to be great regularly at what you do, which is what makes the, you know, the top three guys, um, you know, the big three, Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal so great. It's what makes all, all the other top players on the tour right now so great is their level of consistency. I don't think he'll ever make top 10 just because I don't think he could be consistent enough. And even if he basically skips the clay season and that's a whole lot of points. So I don't really ever see that happening. Could he make top 15 again? He'd have to put in a real effort, you know. Um, he'd have to really put in a full season effort like he used to. And and I think he could do it if he had the right mindset. But again, if consistency, I need to see more from him. Same thing with the Grand Slams. I think he's a threat at essentially Wimbledon. Wimbledon's kind of my go-to pick for him to be a threat at. I think he could make like a semis of an Open or an Australian Open. But Wimbledon, he clearly can win Wimbledon. I mean, he played the final as good as he possibly basically could, I think. And he played against the best player essentially ever, but that's a whole nother topic. But like, can he win one? Yeah, but will he win one? I, I just need to see more. I just really need to see more. Yeah, I mean, listen, it also sucks for him that like his first Grand Slam final you know, he doesn't get the points from that would have been 1200 points. Oh, um, true. He doesn't get. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Wimbledon. Thank you. Yeah. Such a great, so, like, great idea. I mean, Novak wins the tournament, moves down to seven in the world, which is just hilarious. <laughs> that, that's... No, and no way. He actually really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He fell down. And so did Berrettini. He fell down four point four spots to 15 in the world. I mean, it's so just like. It's just like backward, like we're living in bizarro world over here. Are you telling me that Novak Djokovic is going to be outside the top four for the U.S. Open? Yeah, as of right now, yes. yes. Well, hold on. That's if he even can play the U.S. Open. Let's assume he does. He's going to be out. He's going to be seated five through eight. Oh, my God. Wimbledon, you're so stupid. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't. It just doesn't make a ton of sense, which is frustrating. But, oh, Nick Kyrgios. Here's a, it, yeah, Nick has 980 points right now. If he would have gotten the 1,200 points 
for getting to the finals of Wimbledon, he would have a total, he would have a points total of 2180, right? Did that would him? bring him to da, 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 16 in the world. So we were like right on the money of that boundary. Um, Jesus. All he needed to do was just win a round at another tournament. He would have been sweet. Yeah. Which is why I'm saying like that's his range, right? Like it always will be his range because of the lack of consistency. Like that 20 to 15 mark, that's where I see him being. If he like really starts to like climb up, could he get to like top 15? Like between 10 and 15, like in like the 12, 13 range? Sure. Like. Cam Norrie is the 11th player in the world. Why the hell not? But the same token, like Cam Norrie's ultra consistent. That's why he's in the top. That's why he's 11 in the world. So I don't know. Nick is a mixed bag. He's very interesting. He's going to be awesome for the game in terms of like the Netflix series that comes out and like people will find him fascinating. So I think that's going to do it for us here. Um, as always, we really appreciate all the feedback that you guys have been giving us. Please be sure to uh, DM us on Instagram at breakpointpodcast7 for any questions, comments, concerns. You could also email us at breakpointpodcast7 at gmail.com. Also, we have some exciting new social media that we may be posting to within the next uh, few weeks and some yep. exciting content that we'll have ready for the U.S. Open, too. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, until then, I'll catch you next time. Thanks, guys. See you.